Welcome to Your Food Looks Funny. I am Marcus T, and today's episode is USA versus the world. I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. All right, we're back. We're back for another one. We have a guest here. But before I get to that, let me tell you that if you're new to this episode, if you're new to this show in general, Make sure you're following us everywhere. We are everywhere. If you're not looking, you won't find us. So check us out. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Your Food Looks Funny, YFLF Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow us there, we have some interesting food topics that we discuss in all of those places. But today, like I said, we're talking USA versus the world, a kind of an outlook on different perspectives other than the home country that we live in. I have a special guest today, friend, friend of the family. Camille, how are you doing? Hello, Marcus. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Good, good. We don't want anybody here against their own will. Uh (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Camille, Camille is based out of Atlanta, but was raised in a Jamaican household, correct? Yep, that's correct. Now, were you? Was born in California. Oh, okay. And uh, two Jamaican parents um, who have... My mom, on my mom's side, you know, uh, like 11 brothers and sisters. So we have contingents all over the world. So a, a large part of that family was in California. Nice, nice. How often do you go back home? So pre-pandemic, we used to try to make it home at least once a year. Um, but in an ideal year, we're going sometime in spring and then sometime like around winter breakish. Cool. What part of California? I didn't ask you that either. Oh yeah, uh, Riverside. So it's Southern California. It's about out, an hour outside of Los Angeles, and um, it is you know desert basically. So hot during the day and freezing at night. Um, so there's that to contend with. But also close proximity. You know, within like an hour and a half, you can get to snow on the mountains. Um, you can get to the beach in an hour and a half. You can get to the lakes, you can get to the desert. Like it's it's in a perfect location where you're just in close proximity to everything. So, and that's, you know, that's true of California generally, so. That's exactly what I was about to say. When I think of California, it's like the best of everything. You can find a little bit of everything to do all the time. Right, right, all the time. And, you know, I think back and I realized how close I was to those things and what I'm missing now, which is of course like the water, I'm um, being close to the water, being here and, you know, landlocked in, in Atlanta, I, I miss being able to just hop in the car and head down to the beach for a Saturday evening, um, you know, within, you know, an hour's reach. So, or just going up to the mountains or going to the creeks, hiking, we used to hike a lot, um, you know, in the desert, a lot of dry brush and a lot of rolling hills. The topography is so much different than anything over here. And so one thing I, I miss is just, you know, looking in the distance and seeing mountain ranges and hills that we always used to hike. So, yeah, I missed I missed that. That was the uh, the main gripe that I had with Atlanta was there was no water except for the Chattahoochee River. Um, right. I, I know Did you, you go? Did you end up going to the Chattahoochee River? Did you shoot the hooch? I don't think they say. I don't think I never actually made it. It just it just sounded. First of all, it sounds dirty. And, and I, it is kind of. Dirty. Exactly. So I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, yeah, but I, I, but I used to go hiking there though, like hiking the trail, like right alongside the river, mm-hmm. you know, that was nice. Yeah. I grew mm-hmm. up on Lake Erie and that was dirty enough from industrial waste. So 
you know, you've seen one dirty bottle body of water. Right, right, right. But I mean, it means it's, you know, something having some body of water that's kind of close to you. And that kind of segues, I, I think, into just, you know, my Caribbean upbringing. It's just like being in a space where, you know, you're so close to water all the time. And that affects, you know, what you eat, you know, how you feel at the end of the day, you know, being near that salt water, you know, tires you out. Sometimes even if you're not in it, just kind of breathing it in mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it wears you down. So you you operate differently, you move differently. So, um, yeah, that's something I, I do miss. So let me, let me start here. So you grew up in a, a Jamaican household, but in California, are you big on seafood? No, I'm not actually. Okay. So even though I was around water and I am around, you know, I, I was around water in, in Jamaica, I am not big on seafood, but primarily for religious reasons. Uh-huh. So my family grew up Seventh-day Adventist. And, you know, they don't eat shellfish or, you know, catfish or pork or things of that nature. So my, you know, food palate is kind of limited in in that way. So, yeah, no, I'm not a big seafood person, but I do like, um, you know, like your regular salmon or snapper, um, but just no, no shellfish or anything like that. Okay. I love me some snapper, (laughs) (laughs) snapper, like a whole snapper you know, fried um, or steamed or escovitch, as they say, um, is is definitely, you know, top five dish for me. Well, I don't ask this often. And since you said top five dish, what is your favorite food? <sighs> okay, so it's blasphemous for me not to say Jamaican food, right? Because clearly I could eat Jamaican food every day. It's almost like a, I don't know, I don't even want to put that there because I feel like I just eat it so much. It's it's like a given, right? Aside from Jamaican food, I would say I love Mexican food. And of course, growing up in Southern California. So I can eat, you know, any kind of like bean and tortilla and rice and meat combination any day, all day, if possible. Nice. Uh, don't ask me what mine is because it changes hourly. Hourly? Oh, yeah. yeah it's- okay. What is What was the first thing that came to your mind, though? Like... Knee jerk. I don't know. When I think of favorite foods, it's like a slot machine. Like it's just going like this all the time in my head because it just depends on what I have a taste for. It could be the last thing I saw. It could be the last thing I had or something I haven't had in a while. I is really. That means you're kind of open then. That means that you're not as picky as you might think you are. Oh, I'm picky. I'm not as picky as I used to be uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's certain stuff that I I just look at it and and I feel like my wife basically I just I'm not eating that. So I, if I if I don't want it <laughs> I, I don't I'm not eating it. So it's just I don't know. I, I like the simple things. I like fried chicken. For my birthday recently, I had uh, chicken and waffles with a sweet tea. Like that was that was good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely in the top five. Yeah, I'm like there's nothing wrong with the staples. And uh, a, yeah. co- a couple of things that we've talked about uh, kind of segues me into an article I just read. So, again, we're talking USA traditions versus a lot of the world, mainly with your focus in the Caribbean. But this is something I found interesting. Foods that other countries think America's famous for. So when they think America, these are foods they think of. And it was a top 10 mm-hmm. list, but I took away a lot of the snacks and I pulled like the five that I, I think. So we'll kind of go through okay. them one by one. And you mentioned one of these because you have a thing about cookouts 
that we'll get into in a second here. But cheeseburgers. So cheeseburgers have gotten out of control in America. The bigger, the better. At one point, they've, they've gotten a little bit smaller recently. But if you don't have a double or a triple on your menu with bacon, cheese, and every condiment that you have in your refrigerator, you're not doing anything. How do you feel about cheeseburgers? Yeah. Okay. So regionally speaking, I come from Cali. So Cali, we have in and out you know, you have your burger, you have your fries, you have your milkshake. That's like, that's what you do. So I am, I'm a, I'm a cheeseburger fan. Now it's so interesting because I'm actually currently plant-based, but we'll, we'll leave that to the side right now. I still have my cravings. <laughs> so yes, I love a good cheeseburger. Um, has to, of course it has to have cheese. Here in Atlanta, they have some like gourmet burger places that's really happening right now like Bacado's burger I don't know if you've heard of that restaurant but yeah um where you have like these monster cheeseburgers with a fried egg on it yeah do they still have uh was it Holman and Finch or something down there I think it was I think it I think they closed and I think they moved but yes oh. I'm, I'm familiar with that mm-hmm. oh, okay yeah cheeseburger but cheeseburgers in now the islands now that's not something that we were familiar with at all like i remember um being i re i remember when like the first like fast food type restaurant came to to jamaica i mean it um and it was just like of course everybody loved it and, and by the way like kfc is is something that's down is prevalent down there and the kfc that's in jamaica is nothing like the kfc here like it's the best KFC you've ever tasted it's like the KFC that we used to have back in the day like that was that used to be good with real chicken <laughs> real chicken <laughs> right 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 and so um yeah the burgers like you know burgers wasn't the thing I remember in Barbados my a, a lot of my family's from Barbados as well they brought a chefette down there and the chefette is kind of like a every kind of like a like kind of like a cookout restaurant where you have like your burger your nuggets your tater tots and that was that's down there. Um, they wouldn't bring in um, like McDonald's or any other um, fast food places down there. But I think that um, that kind of introduced burgers to the scene down there. But yeah, burgers on the, in the islands is not is not a thing. Yeah, uh, we went to Bahamas for our, our honeymoon. And I do remember seeing a KFC, a Dunkin Donuts, but I don't remember too many burger places when we were walking yeah. around. Yeah, so I can nope. see, I can see it. Uh, another thing that you just mentioned was KFC. Fried chicken was another one of those that was thought of when you think of America. Right. So um, I just feel like, you know, the more unhealthy it is, the more it seems to be synonymous with America at this point. Yeah. Fried chicken to me is definitely, you know, I would classify that as, you know, Ameri an American thing. However, recently it's starting to creep up on um, Jamaican restaurants menus and they they it's really good but they 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 fry it in the same way but they they almost like cook it down um so you might like have like a sweet sauce added to it but fried chicken is now something that I see um a lot on menus and I think that is actually because there's a lot of there's a lot of different cultural influences in Jamaica so it's it's like you know, you have your your Lebanese, you have your um, Indian, so East Indian, you have your um, your Chinese. So there's a like a lot of different, you know, um, influences. And so a lot of what you're seeing here is being brought down there. So I'm, I'm thinking that's where 
the 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 fast foodish type food trends are are coming from when you think of like the carryouts here and they're kind of introducing that there when you where you have like your fried chicken and mambo sauce and things like that you're starting to see a little bit of that happening down there so you're familiar with mambo sauce oh yeah i'm familiar with mambo sauce okay okay that's that but that was when i was in dc i lived in dc for four years oh okay so, well, yeah you know you know yeah right. yeah yeah we uh, there was a place called Cluck You Chicken off of Georgia Avenue. Okay. I used to get it before class. Like, it was a morning thing. Greasy, greasy paper bag. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't been into the city in, in months now. So we live outside in Alexandria. So I just look at the city. I'm like, there's mumbo to be had out there. There's mumbo to be had. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you see that they're, they're starting to, like, try to bottle it or something? Some kind of malarkey oh yeah yeah i mean there's a there's two there's two major companies here that i see all the time so one's called capital city mumbo Mm -hmm. and the other one is a uncle dell's so uncle dell's was started by a couple of teenagers here and they're they're kind of blowing up really quick so uh i haven't bought either one of them i think papa john sells cap capital city here but uh i'll pass i made my own we had our recipe at our at our restaurant so i made my own for the super bowl couple weeks ago Weeks how ago. did it turn out it was good nice it was good i like it but to me it just reminds me of like a barbecue mixed with sweet and sour sweet and sour exactly yeah yeah uh, another thing so we're talk. we just finished talking chicken here and mumbo sauce of course wings buffalo wings were an american thing that that popped up everywhere and mm-hmm. i was like yeah there are a lot of chickens that die in order to feed us for football games mm-hmm. and yeah I just think it's that is um yeah, that that is that is a thing. Um, in in Jamaica, we have not a lot of, but I'm seeing a little bit more of jerk wings, like jerk chicken wings, um, which are delicious. But yeah, buffalo wings, not so much, but definitely an American thing, I think. Before I get to the last one, apple pie was on this list. How big are you on desserts? Okay, so I do not like warm or preserved or cooked fruit in any form well we just found it we just found it (laughs) like nothing so like peach cobbler cherry whatever i'm pausing to just kind of reel myself in a little bit here you live in atlanta i know i know it's 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 a thing it's like i need my fruit i need to eat my fruit how it is you know how it how it is is formed basically so fresh like even um like the most i'll do to process it will be like put it in a smoothie but other than that like i i need to eat the apple you know i need to eat the mango i need to eat it fresh and there's a reason for that because i've been studying like um ayurvedic traditions mm-hmm. that talk about you know optimal digestion and you know what times of days you should eat things, and um, how you should kind of you know drink water throughout the day to aid with 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 digestion, and what things you should mix together. And there are a lot of th- <laughs> there are a lot of things that we mix together that we really shouldn't be mixing together. So of course you know you shouldn't be mixing like citrus with like dairy, you know, like things like that that we we might do and we might not realize that it's kind of you know, slowing things up down there, or creating more work for your body. Um, and so for me, I just, something about 
putting fruit through the process, like warming it or, you know, preserving it and kind of making it syrupy and oozy. It's not meant to be eaten that way. Okay, so before I get to the judgy part, you are in this one. Science, 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 <laughs> science. But uh, the, the breakdown and the knowledge was great. I appreciated that. I do. It's, uh, it's two sides of me that are fighting each other right now. So the side that understands that, you know, when it comes to health and digestion, yeah, kudos to you. And then there's the other side that lived in Atlanta for eight years that goes, you don't eat peach cobbler? Mm-mm. All right, I, I'll just make that one short. That was my- Even like pineapples on pizza? Do you eat pineapples on pizza? No, I'm, I'm good okay. there, no. Okay, the same reason why that kind of repulses you, it's the same idea. Who wants warm pineapple? Like warm citrus or whatever pineapple is. Yeah, no, no, it's not meant to be. Okay, we're just gonna let that one ride for now. We're gonna let that one ride. We'll, we'll- no, we won't circle back around to it. I'm lying. We won't. <laughs> okay. All right. Last thing on the list kind of brings us closer to what we were talking about before we started recording. Barbecue ribs. Barbecued ribs. People, you, you don't, I know you're plant-based now, but you're not big on pork either anyway, right? I don't, yeah, I don't eat, I don't eat pork, but I used to tear up some barbecue, some beef barbecue ribs. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was something that, um. I would say I, I've experienced that both ways. So I wouldn't say that that's just, you know, necessarily unique to unique to the States. Um, I've had actually the best ribs I've had were um, goat ribs. I've had bar- a barbecue goat ribs. Goat is a good, it's a good meat. It's lean. It's tasty. It's everything you want your beef to be. Hmm. I haven't had a lot of goat. First of all, I don't even think I've seen a goat in person. Uh, so I'll just start there. But yeah. There are so many memes. You need to look up some memes about, um, you know, goats around Christmas time. Jamaicans just go crazy with that. Like, they're just, what you see is to the point where, like, if you see a goat walking around, you're like, you're not meant to be walking around right now. Like, you need you need to be prepared. It's like the turkey memes on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Same thing, but it's for goat. Gotcha. And so you'll see, like, a goat... Um, you know, jumping up on like the roof of a, of a house, like, you know, I'll catch you later. So yeah, goat, but goat is good. Goat is good. And I didn't, and I didn't eat it for a long time because of um, just early childhood, you know, traumatic experiences with it. Um, and the fact that, you know, they use in preparation, they use like the whole, the whole goat. So you have, a, you know, they have something called manish water which is equivalent to what well, has the equivalent of what would be like chitlins. <sighs> and so, yeah, that kind of, for a long time. Come on. <laughs> right. For a long time, that kind of turned me off. But then, you know, you can't resist like a good curry goat on Christmas, man. Like, it's just, even if you're plant-based, that's one of the things that you just sort of like, yeah, I'm plant-based, but I eat curry goat. Like, that's kind of what you say. Like, I'm plant-based, but... I do partake of curry goat. I've, I've seen several people on the same kind of diets and plans. You know, yeah, I try to eat better. Wait a minute. Is that my mom's cabbage? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. It's certain stuff that just brings it out of you. And um, mm-hmm. that goes back to an episode that I had. I think it was like episode three about your family's food isn't as good as you think it is. About people just loving what they grew up on, what they grew up around. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. It's not like I was saying there was something wrong with it. It's just that you get an emotional attachment that makes the food that much better. And you're willing to break off of whatever you're in at that time to 
to go eat it. To go eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely emotional attachments. Um, my mom used to make a good, this thing called stew peas, which is kind of like um, red beans and rice, you know, like the equivalent, but a little bit more stewy, I guess. And um, I mean, goodness, I used to come out, for, you know, come back in from playing, just, you know, smelling it, just being drawn to it. And after all these years, just like, oh, you know, nobody can make stew peas like how mom makes stew peas. So I definitely understand that. So I've talked on this show before about how I wasn't a huge fan of my mom's macaroni and cheese. I like I liked it, but I didn't love it like some people did. Is there anything of your mom's that you weren't a huge fan of that everybody else seemed to be a fan of? Hmm. I would say I would say I would I would say it was more of a phase, right? So there was a phase where my mom, and she's gonna laugh if she hears this, would would cook some form of chicken every single day it felt like it was for like a year like and i i used to be like oh my goodness like i i don't want any more chicken so i went for a long time where i was just like i'm done with chicken so even though it was good in and of itself you know you just get tired of you know having it over and over and over again but that would be the only thing that kind of comes to my mind um there's also you know what she makes like a cornmeal porridge which is um, and, and cream of wheat and I am supposed to like it and I don't. So yeah, I would say those, those two things. Okay. It's not too bad. She won't, she won't feel bad about that. She, won't feel bad. she knows. <laughs> All right. So diving more, we'll, we'll, we'll dig a little deeper into the cookout thing here. So we're talking ribs and in America, you mm-hmm. know, ribs are basically the backbone of what's a, a staple menu for cookouts. In America. And I've talked about this before, so don't get me twisted. If you've heard the episode about barbecue, have you heard the episode about barbecue? I have. I have. Okay. So I like to differentiate that there's a difference between a cookout and a barbecue, but for this right. instance, we'll, we'll put them together there. There's a difference of smoke and, but we get the point here today, mm-hmm. but barbecue ribs, uh, I think we said like baked beans, potato salad. First of all, there's no vegetables involved in the process. It's just all meats and starches so that that's yep. the average cookout menu for mm-hmm. uh, for America for Fourth of July, Memorial Day, whatever the event have a, you know a Saturday at your brother's house, whatever it is, throw mm-hmm. a few burgers and hot dogs on for the family, and you were telling me that there's a difference for these special occasions, you know, in your culture to tell the people about the difference here. Yeah, so the difference is, you know, I can remember when we, our family started to accept the fact that they would have to put maybe one or two hot dogs on the grill, like in the, in the corner of the grill, or maybe like one burger patty for the, the younger kids who are just not accustomed to eating, you know, Caribbean food or Jamaican food. And they were what we would, you know, call more Americanized essentially. And, um, but our get get togethers wouldn't be, you know, centered around food. And, and the distinction I, I think of is you have, you know, traditions like um, like your low country boil um, where people would gather for the purpose of preparing and eating a dish or, or a food. Right. Um, and that is not something that I'm familiar with. I'm more so familiar with the dynamic of 
food being a dra- a backdrop, like food being a given, you get together, food's going to be there regardless, but there's no like central event that's kind of bringing everyone, you know, to the, to the table for that essentially. So, you know, there's, there's that difference. And then also the difference in the types of food. So, you know, we wouldn't have a get together where you only have um, burgers, hot dogs, baked beans, potato salad, you know, corn on the cob, and that's it. Jamaican food tends to be, I, I always say there's there's a lot of variety, but it tends to be the same over and over and over again. So the same dish you're going to have, uh, you know, for Sunday dinner is the same dish you're going to have on Christmas day, is the same dish you're going to have on New Year's Eve, like same dish you're going to have on Easter. You have your core items, you have your curry chicken, You have your, you know, your curry goat, maybe your brown stew chicken, your jerk chicken. You have your your steam snapper or your fried snapper. You have your rice and peas, your cabbage, your plantain. And, you know, you have some, you know, um, fried dumpling or festival or breadfruit or bami. So these are everything that I named at any time during the year. If you know that you're going to get together with your family, that's what you're going to be having. So we don't necessarily have you know, um, like I said, like, you know, hot, these lighter, easier foods, like these foods are, are going to be required to be, you know, slow cooked, even like the jerk, the jerk chicken. Um, you know, I, I want to definitely make the distinction that, you know, jerk is not a flavor. And that's what, what, you know, when it comes over here, you kind of get that confused. Jerk is actually a method, is a process, is a process and method, methodology for for preparing food or for for preparing chicken or pork. And so what it is, is you take um, like the the wood from the pimento tree, which is native to the Caribbean. It's like a green wood, very fragrant. And you you cook the chicken on the open, on the open flame and the the coals with um, right on top of the wood. And so through that process, it's a long process of smoking and um, also using the allspice, the pimento from the pimento trees to um, serve as like the base with scotch bonnet pepper, um, to serve as like the, the, the marinade and, and the basting for it. Um, but it's the process, you want your chicken jerked essentially. Um, and you know, that the, the practice of cooking meats over an open flame and over wood or, or coal, that's actually, you know, it, it, it has roots in the Caribbean. So barbecue as we know it, in the United States, it traces back to the Caribbean um, and how it has manifested in the, the different regions of, of the United States, whether it's, you know, California style barbecue or Texas or the Carolinas or, you know, um, Appalachia, like you have different ways of preparing it, but the roots can be traced to the Caribbean. So like that, that's why I said earlier that, you know, the, the, the ribs, the barbecue ribs, that's something that I'm, you know, I'm definitely familiar with because it definitely has its roots roots in the Caribbean. But yeah, in terms of the 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 the, the sophistication of food and the the types of food that would be consumed in a family gathering, it's going to be a little bit more sophisticated than um, what did you call it before? Hockey pucks. <laughs> you said hockey pucks. And I don't know what you call the hot dogs. But like if that was served, if if our family got together and that was what was being served there would be a problem the uncles the uncles would would revolt yeah yeah I, kind of dealing with what you said 
America seems to market it. So like you said, jerk is a, uh, a process, not a flavor. And America made it a flavor by trying to bottle it and sell it. And the mm-hmm. same thing that goes along with the process of cooking foods and the process of getting ready for these gatherings in America is it grab and go. You know, yeah. can I make something special for Fourth of July, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas? Everything has to be specialized and highlighted, whereas other countries don't worry about, you know, this special day has to have a full meal dedicated to it or something centered around it. Or even Thanksgiving in our family, the pre, you know, meal or the couple of days before is an event. You show up, you help cook and, you know, we gather around this. It's food centered. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that's 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 just not the case. Um, and even with Thanksgiving, you know, if we decide to have, you know, because Thanksgiving is not a traditional Jamaican holiday. So if we decide to partake in the American custom of that, you know, and, and of that tradition and, and we'll say, OK, we'll have we'll make a turkey. Even that is kind of odd. Like sometimes you'll go somewhere and you see somebody was like, okay, I'm just going to make a turkey just to have it there, just to say that it's like Thanksgiving. But then you have, like I said, your curry, your, you know, your rice and peas, like your, your, your typical fare. And so you actually have to decide to do things differently, but some things still remain like one of the things is, you know, we, we don't really do sweet potato pie. We do pumpkin pie because pumpkin is a thing. I know, I know. Pumpkin is a thing in Jamaica. You know, you have pumpkin soup and whew, there's all sorts of ways to prepare pumpkin and pumpkin pumpkin pie is is what we are, would be our preference overall. Sweet potato pie, no, but we're going to have, like we're going to prepare our yams in a in a certain way, like our real yams in, 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 a, in, a, in a certain way. Um, probably not going to be candied. I'll pass. Yeah. Did you, uh, you hear the episode on soul food? Um, with Chef. Chef Dana. Uh, Dana, yes, I did. Okay, I did. so you just mentioned yams, and that just reminded me. I'm not a big fan of yams, the candied yams. I'm not a big fan. Candied yams, right. 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 And I think that kind of goes with my whole aversion to like sweet, warm things. So, I if if I if I have it, I want it to be more like salty and more starchy and salty. You know, what I mean, not necessarily sweet and warm and candied. I got so, you. Yeah. Interesting. But sometimes that will be like, um, you know, you have, you know, a lot of Jamaican food is very bulky. So you have you like your, you know, your cassava, right? You have your cassava, you have your boiled banana, you have your boiled dumplings, which is like flour and, you know, just like, a, um, you know, flour and water boiled, basically. Um, and your plantain, you know, your bami is very starchy in terms of the sides that are, are you know, paired with, with the entrees. Yeah. When you when you started mentioning a lot of those, I thought about it. Yeah, you guys are more starch related than the actual sweetness of those things. So the right. more you mention these things now, I'm starting to get where you're coming from with not wanting the fruits that are sweetened right. up. And yeah, I get it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a fruit actually called breadfruit. Um, very good. You roast it. You put a little salt on it. Ooh, it is so good. You know, you have like aki, um, which is when it's prepared, it looks like a, it looks like scrambled eggs. And you might actually uh, um, mistake it for scrambled eggs. It has like a very buttery, you know, scrambled eggs like texture. But you have to be very careful when you're preparing it because it's actually it's, it's, it's actually the, the national fruit and it's part of the national dish of Jamaica. But if you 
pull it um, too early, um, if, you know, before it's, it's ripe, it's poisonous. And just like cassava, there's certain, you know, forms of cassava that if you harvest it in, you know, out of its time or whatever the case is, it can be very poisonous. So making bami, bami is um, like a, like a cassava patty, essentially. Um, it could be a perilous type of thing. You have to know how to cook it and know when to pull it. Um, but ackee is, is technically a fruit, but the way that it's prepared traditionally is with salted fish. So codfish and codfish is, you know, super salty. Um, and that kind of, that combination of the salt and like the, the starchiness of, 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 of the ackee or whatever it's paired with, that's, that's pretty much the combination we go for now that I think about it. So even with if we're, we are pairing like a vegetable, like Kalaloo, Kalaloo would be the equivalent of like, you know, your greens, your collard greens, but it's like a lighter flavor. Um, you would pair your, your salt fish and then your Kalaloo. You don't even put any seasoning really with the Kalaloo, except for your, your basic, because the salt fish is going to really take that up. And then you have your starch, which is like the dumpling and, or the festival, which is just like your your typical, like I said, flour, salt, a little bit of cornmeal, maybe you fry it. And then you have that to kind of, you know, pull the flavors all together. But that's pretty much the combination. You know, you have like your salt beef and then like your your starchy rice, you know, or like your your salt fish and your dumpling or, you know. Yeah. So now that I think about and now that I'm talking it through, that is something yeah, the, the sweet, the sweet, not really. um I'm trying to think of what we would, we definitely have like coconut drops and things like that, that when gizardas and stuff like that, that are considered, you know, sweet, but generally for the main meals, it's, it's like a salty, meaty, salty, starchy. Yeah. You, you give me a, a good workup of your, your flavor profile now. So I'm starting to get what the flavor profile is of your heritage. I mean, most yeah. people can't break it down in such detail, but I appreciate you for doing it basically. And it, it translates. So this is why chicken and waffles is, a, is in my top five, because that's right. It's, it's not overly sweet unless you just not overly a bunch sweet, of syrup on but it. then you have like the starchy and the stuff. Nice. Uh, before I forget this, so we were talking cookouts, mm -hmm. talking Jamaican food. So when I first moved to Atlanta, I may have mentioned this on a, another show, but there was a restaurant um, in Decatur and they had root beer barbecued ribs there with sweet potato fries. Root beer, barbecued ribs, sweet potato fries. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure if they used it in the sauce or they actually used it. Cause I, I've used it both ways. I've used root beer in the sauce where I reduced it down and then I've hmm. used it to actually brine the ribs with the root beer. So I'm not sure which way they used it, but it ins basically inspired me in order to do it that way. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never had that before. And then there was another restaurant across the street from us in Atlanta. It was called Jamaican Me Crazy. I think at one point you almost said that in a sentence. And I was like, oh, she knows about. No, she wasn't talking about the restaurant that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. We're always trying to call somebody out of the time. Another thing before I, I, I miss it, of all of this stuff that you named, and I might need you to send me a list of some of these foods because I've never heard of most of them. Sure, sure. But uh, how often do you cook? Okay, so that was very important to me because I have two daughters, 17 and 19. So, okay, me, my brother, you know, my cousins, everything growing up in this Caribbean household, like firsthand getting it from my mom, who was like, like I said, doesn't eat burgers 
doesn't eat like she doesn't even eat spaghetti like you know things like that like so me growing up in that household and wanting to introduce the girls make make sure that I'm you know also raising them with that sensibility um but also realizing that you know on their dad's side you know his family's from the south like so Texas and Louisiana so they love all, so all of my anecdotes about you know like crawfish broil broils and things like that, like that is they are into it so they're they're doing both but because I'm trying to make sure I um, you know, teach them about the culture and make sure they carry it on and, and kind of develop their palate around it, um, which I think I have succeeded in doing. Um, yeah, we cook. We cook um, our, we cook everything that I mentioned, I'm cooking it. Okay. So yeah, everything there's, and it, it came, I remember there was one summer when the girls were actually down by my mom for the summer. And I just had like a list of different things um, of, of like Jamaican dishes that I wanted to conquer. The first thing was fried dumplings. Like you can't be a Jamaican and not be able to make fried dumplings, right? So I, I conquered that and I just went down the list. And remember the stew peas I was talking about with my mom? I made the stew peas and it tasted just like, you know. And so the key is if we're going to be, you know, diasporic beings like living outside, you know, living in the diaspora essentially, you know, you, you have to make home wherever you are. And I have found like that is the key to me being here. If I can kind of replicate some of the flavors of, of home, then I'm home everywhere I go. And so one thing that happened, I think this was, I think this was like the summer of 2017. So imagine me, you know, trying to make all these dishes, making sure I perfect them, going from one to the next, but feeling sometimes that something was missing. And so I, I traveled to um, Costa Rica which has a large Jamaican population on the Caribbean side. And I also traveled to the Dominican Republic and I was just tasting this flavor of things that I couldn't quite put my finger on. I'm like, and I would try and replicate, you know, I would come home and I would try and make the dish. Like there's one in um, Costa Rica called Gallo Pinto, which is like a rice and beans. And they have, you know, they had this other flavor in there that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Same thing with like um, the, you know, rice and chicken or beans um, in, in the Dominican. Um, and what it was, I finally figured it out, was that throughout the Caribbean, and they don't really put this in the recipes because it's kind of like just something that you do, something that you have. But throughout the Caribbean, they have, um, and it's different in every country, but like um, a green seasoning. So it's like a, a mixture of you know, depending on what you're making. So like parsley, your scallion, your garlic, um, cilantro, a lot of times, um, regular, you know, regular onion. Um, and you kind of, you know, and salt and you mix it together and you kind of mix a lot of it and you literally put it in everything. So as soon as I, I made it, I was making arroz con pollo and I, I made it and I not only did I marinate the chicken in it, but I also put it on the chicken afterwards. I was like, this is it. And so when I finally started researching it, I realized that, you know, from Haiti, Haiti, it's called Epis, E-P-I-S. Um, they, they just make it in store and they just put it in everything. In Trinidad, they just call it green seasoning. Jamaica, they have it everywhere in the Caribbean. They have some form of this green seasoning that you literally put in everything and it makes the difference. So if you're going to make any kind of island food, whether it has like a, you know, um, 
you know, Spanish influence or whatever the case is, you put, you have that grain seasoning, you put it in there and it will make the difference. Whether you're making soup or um, like a marinade or anything you're making, beans, anything that you're making, if you wanted to have that flavor. And like I said, sometimes you would put more cilantro if you wanted to have more, you know, of that flavor, less if you wanted to have, you know. So um, similar to like your, like your chimichurri, you know, um, that's similar, similar idea. Um, even like a, pe a pesto is kind of like a form of that as well for, um, you know, European countries. So that is, that is, that is definitely something that I have found that has been, once I found that, that opened up a door for me to cook Caribbean food. And, and what I do sometimes is I just have my daughter and we just make batches of the green seasoning and we keep it there. And so that we always have it ready to go. Okay. Question for you, when you're finding a lot of these ingredients and you're making a lot of the dishes that may not necessarily be native to the region or the country that you're in at the moment, how do you source your ingredients? Yeah, so for this green seasoning, they they call for something called shadow benny. It's like a an herb called shadow benny and it's not around here, but they, so I look up the substitution and they say, or like they, um, they'll say culantro, at C-U-L-A-N-T-R-O, which is different from cilantro, but it has similar um, flavor pro profiles. So like I just have, have had to substitute and that is definitely the way of the Caribbean and essentially like you always, they, they say you have to make do, you know, so you make do with, with what you have and, you know, you add a little, there's no real like hard and fast recipes, you know, you kind of add a pinch of this, a pinch of that. But yeah, definitely a lot of substitution. So like even like the scotch bonnet pepper, um, you'll see a lot of recipes that call for scotch bonnet, but then that's not something that you can readily, you know, easily get. And so they'll say, okay, you can use habanero, which is not the same, but you know, so it, it just requires some, a little bit of compromise. Okay. I'm glad that you substitute though. It, I do. Certain people will just negate an entire dish based off of they don't have an ingredient. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you. You have to get all the flavors in. Sometimes I actually started growing my own scallion because of the fact that, like, I use it in everything, and I never wanted to be without. <laughs> I tried to grow my own cilantro, that didn't work. Um, but the scallion is just a staple for me, um, and so I, I always have that. I always have to have that, and it, it kind of even influences the way that I shop. So when you're in Jamaica, you tend not to buy things like in bulk per se, you know, you tend to like go to the market every day, really, or every other day, you, you stop by the market before you go home to make whatever you're going to make. Um, even whether it's for today or the next day. And so you're constantly going to the market. And I find myself constantly going to the grocery store um, just to pick up what I need. I don't plan too far ahead that I have a lot of things that can bulk a lot of my a lot of the food it tends to be you know fresh basically so yeah but that with that kind of shopping you probably don't run into a lot of spoilage either no 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 and then so what I do is if I see that something is sitting there for a while then I'll just go ahead and have a session where I'll make my green seasoning you know what I mean like sometimes cilantro it could go bad so quickly and so I just hurry up and do what I have to do with that um, so avocados. I eat a lot of avocados in Jamaica. We call them pears. Weird, but yeah, that's what we call them, pears. And so if you say pear or if you say avocado, no, if you say pear, then they're going to think 
you're talking about avocado. So interesting. Another one of those things that I another one of those things. So I just found out like last week that you can store your avocados in water in the fridge. Like after you cut it, yeah. you can put it in water. I didn't know. I always put like the lime juice over it and make, you know, preserve it that way. Mm -hmm. But now I can preserve my avocados. So you cut them up and you leave them in there or you like cut part of it off and leave it? Yeah. So you cut off what you're using and then the rest of it, you just fill it up a little bit over, over the top of it with water. Right. Mm -hmm. Little tips and tricks from Camille. All right. It's your show today. <laughs> thank you it's all just coming to my head right now i need to share these things like that avocado thing changes the game that's how it works yeah that's how it works the little thing that somebody didn't think of just blew somebody's mind that quick before i forget let me ask you these two mm -hmm. uh what's a food that you don't eat that everybody else seems to eat so okay so aside from the warm fruit and things i i think i'm gonna say grits i do not like grits okay there's nothing wrong with that in any form, shape, don't like grits. I know there are probably some people in Atlanta that would, again, since you've already denounced peach cobbler, that would probably just throw you out with the bath water at this point. But you know, yeah, didn't grow up with grits. Grew up with, like I said, cream of wheat, cornmeal porridge. We didn't like it, and I don't like grits now. I have tried, um, in recent years, I've tried this thing called like you know polenta, like, uh, and that has been okay, but. Very similar. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, and oatmeal. I don't like oatmeal. So you're just throwing out all the breakfast uh, grains there. Yeah. Okay. Grits. But you're eating cream of wheat. Barely. Don't like it. Okay. But I'll eat it because, because mom makes it, so I have to eat it. Okay. Is this like a, a childhood trauma thing, or are you just... Uh, Very, okay. I, it's hard for me to talk about. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but interestingly, she used to cut up what made it better... Where she used to cut up toast. So we would make toast and she put butter on it. And she used to cut up the toast and put it in the cream of wheat. And that actually made it better for me. But the cream of wheat, if you didn't stir it quick enough, it used to get these lumps. Uh, oh, gosh. The lumps. And I used to be like, what is this? <laughs> is this is the cream of wheat, Cam? You know, no. It's not the cream of wheat. It <laughs> has turned into something else. Yeah. So, yeah, no. I'm not eating that. Yeah. I can see you at the table now. I used to be the one that used to talk about picky. I used to be the one that used to like, they would make, like make me stay at the table for a long time. One of those. huh? Yeah. And I would be like, and they would try to get me to eat a couple more bites. And I'd be like, I'm not eating that. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> right. Um, what is, uh, what's the last new food you tried? Oh, gosh. I feel like it's been a while. Um, ooh. Okay, so there's this place um, at the Auburn Avenue um, Market, uh, Sweet Auburn Market. I don't think that's the actual title of it. Um, but they have this place that sells um, arepas. And it's like a Venezuelan, uh, like, corn patty filled with your choice of, like, onion, and you could put egg in it or some kind of meat in it, but it's kind of like a um, what's the equivalent? Yeah, it's kind of like a like a Johnny cake huh. that's filled with savory foods. So it's it's, it's supposedly like a breakfast food. Huh. I, I'm thinking, but it um, but it definitely has that savory element to it. It was okay. Uh, uh, it was okay. 
And what did you say the name of it was again? Arepa. So A is A R E P P A or A R R E P P A, but I'm pretty sure it's um A R E P P A. You said this and, was Venezuelan. I believe it's Venezuelan, and um, it might be Peruvian as well. Okay. But I do believe it's a it was a Venezuelan restaurant that I went to. But yeah, that would have been the last thing that I had. Okay, that's new, and, and that was a while back because of course the pandemic has kind of limited a lot of things. So that was right before we shut all the way down. And you didn't say if you liked it or not. It was okay. I don't know if I would get it again. Um, I don't know if it's because of how it was prepared. That's another thing. Like, you know, when you eat something, you're like, you know what, if I made this, I would probably have done da 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 right? Mm -hmm. It was one of those things. Yeah. I had that thought. So in and of itself, I think it was how it was prepared that I that I kind of needed some work on. But um, the idea of it, though, is something that I would like. The starch with the savory, salty. It, it, that's why I got it. Because I was like, oh, this is perfect. I love, you know, cornmeal-y, starchy, bready. Right up your alley. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, uh, yeah, I needed to, I, I would need to take that home and, and doctor it up a little bit. Gotcha. All right. So, uh you have anything else? We've uh, we've kind of talked about some differences between USA and the world, but mainly the Caribbean in general. Some cookout differences. You not liking sweet fruit dishes. Warmed fruit. Warmed, warmed sweet. Cook preserved. <coughs> Peach cobbler. <clears throat> <laughs> warmed cooked and preserved. I like sweet fruit. I like I like mangoes. Yeah, I'm. You know what I meant. I mean, sweet, overly sweetened, syrupy, warm, syrupy, yes, cobblers, syrupy. pies, that yeah. kind of thing. But did you say you like pumpkin pie, but pumpkin's a slightly different story there. And it has to be, I kind of like it. Um, I don't really like it warm. Do you serve pumpkin pie warm? I feel like you serve it cold. Yeah, I feel like you do. I don't think I don't have it warm. So I have it like with whipped cream on it. First of all, I can't remember the last time I had pumpkin pie, and it might have been by accident. I probably thought it was sweet potato, and I just had a <laughs> slice, and I was like, eh, this tastes a little off. It tastes very similar. So wait, the the sweet potato pie, you have it cold? I think it's, it's a preference thing. Like, okay. um, I think my wife likes it warm, mm -hmm. but I like it cold. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. I like it cold. Can't be warm. That type of thing cannot be warm. Okay, okay. You don't. Put like a dollop of Cool Whip on the. I do, I do. Oh, but cold. But cold, yeah. Okay. So cold Cool Whip with cold pumpkin okay. pie. I'm all about altering temperatures. So if I like the other day, I had warm bread pudding. I want cold ice cream on top of it. Like if I have a cold piece of something. Yeah. I don't. I can't have anything else cold with it. It's just. It's. I'm overdoing it. Okay, that makes sense. That actually kind of brings up something else that I wanted to mention in terms of the. The differences. So we have like it's very um, you know, often that you will see Jamaicans drinking hot soup or hot tea in the middle of summer here, you know. Um yeah, you know, we 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 every day, every day you're gonna have some kind of tea or um you will make, you'll have just soup there. Like sometimes you just have soup in the house. So if somebody is coming over to visit, you always have kind of something to serve them. Um, but it could be the middle of summer and you're having 
if you're having hot soup or, or hot tea. And I, and I have heard that that is something that's anytime that I express like desire for soup in hot weather here, I always, um, I always get looked at funny. So, and then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, there's no, there's no like distinction. It's like, you know, because of course you're in the island, so it's never really cold. So right. you can't really say, oh, I'm gonna only gonna have tea. But of course, too, the tea tradition comes from uh, is colonial, um, colonial history with 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 Britain, and then from there, India. And so um, there's definitely that. But um, yeah, that's that's the something that that has carried over, and. I think that's another one of those American things that America felt the need to change everything. So America in general, and especially when I was living in Georgia, it didn't have its own kind of seam of culture to me, but America takes everything and then they twist it to its own liking. So like you said, tea and having hot tea on a hot day, America was like, why don't we just make it cold? Cold, exactly. So iced tea, (laughs) iced coffee, anything that was hot, Uh, chocolate drinks that are cold. Like what, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're gonna have it. Oh, and we will have it. Like we'll probably have it in the morning and then the evening for supper. Yeah, I'm I'm not mad at it. Uh, it seems pretty pretty normal. It just the temperature thing, you know. Like you said, you guys don't have too many cold days down there. So having a right. hot drink and a hot soup, hot soup is another thing because if you're sourcing fresh ingredients most of the time, it's a way to preserve ingredients well using soup. So I exactly completely understand all of that. Makes sense. Good. But then also too, and a, and a, a final word is that you know I wanted to make sure that I communicate that you know this is what we're seeing is just derivative culture. You know, like um, it's all part of the the African experience, and it's just a matter of how it manifests with where whatever re- region we happen to be in. But that's what's so it's so interesting about it to see all the similarities. So like I mentioned, like with the red beans and rice in New Orleans and how um, a lot of the cuisine in New Orleans could be, you know, connected to like Haiti. New Orleans is like considered the Northern Caribbean essentially. And, um, and just different preparations, different, you know, the barbecue, like I mentioned, there's so many connections. It's just a matter of how we want to flavor it and season it. And so I, you know, there's no like, divisiveness in it at all it's just a matter of like you know you know how do you do things and oh this is how i you know and so i i definitely want to want to you know uplift all of our food ways traditions and um encourage us to kind of keep on investigating to see the ways that we connect yeah like you said uh america's food all of it in some duration comes from somewhere else because people forget how young America is. So all of its influences are just taken from other places. And then America's chews it up and spits it back out and exports it to everybody else to resell it. So, you know, we appreciate you coming on the show and giving your perspective of why Jamaica sticks to what it knows and is okay with it. Unlike America, who is changing its shirt every five minutes, you know, but I'll eat it. We'll, we'll see some interesting fusions in the, in the, in the, future I'm, I'm seeing like oxtail ramen on the menus now and jerk pasta like jerk alfredo i'm seeing some fusion you know caribbean you know cuisine so it looks like every the walls are coming down so people are starting to innovate and experiment i'm telling you if i don't see and i'm in all these food groups on facebook 
if I don't see another oxtail, yeah, it'll be too soon. Too soon. So how do you feel about oxtails, Marcus? Like they just they're everywhere. Oxtail everywhere. this and oxtail that. Okay, I'll eat an oxtail. I'm not a huge fan of them, but it's not something that I'm just actively avoiding. Yeah. But why why oxtails? What who picks these foods to be trendy? I don't know. I don't even know about oxtails because and that's something that Jamaican people would come after me for. But I, you know, I, I'll do the gravy. You know, you could put the gravy over the rice, but other than that, it's not worth the effort. No, no, I just I just can't. I just yeah. can't with the oxtails. All right. Well, uh, are you still working with Canopy? I am actually. So we we did our West End issue, which came out um, last year, October, October, November. That's when we went live. And what we do with Canopy is we go neighborhood by neighborhood and we just um, we train community residents. So residents who are already doing some kind of storytelling um, and we train them how to tell stories journalistically. And the training lasts about six to eight weeks. It's like a fellowship. And at the end of the training, they produce one or two long form stories or um, multimedia pieces. So like podcast episodes or photo essays, things of that nature. And um, they become, you know, ready to take on assignments. I know that some of the fellows in the last cohort, they were hired by different publications after they went through the fellowship. Um, they're pitching editors now stories. So one neighborhood at a time, we're, we're training community residents um, on the tenets of community journalism. And the hope is that we are able to kind of tell the full story of Atlanta. So many times mainstream media just focuses on the pathological or the deficits. And we're taking an asset-based approach to our, our journalism and our coverage and our reporting. So I'm really excited about Canopy. It's... Um, is definitely a, a labor of love for me. I'm also working for another publication, um, Atlanta Magazine, and there are definitely some overlaps there as well, but all just, you know, telling the story of Atlanta in the best way that we can, so. Okay, dope. Tell people uh, the handle that they can find that it on. I follow you on Instagram. So. Yes, um, I, you can find me even though I don't post. I'm not really social media savvy, but you can find me on Jump at the Suns um, and um, jumpatthesuns.com is where I keep some of my more creative content. But um, if you want to find everything that I'm working on, it's Camille D. Whitaker. That's K-A-M-I-L-L-E-D-W-H-I-T-T-A-K-E-R. And that kind of has where um, I have my hands, you know, in terms of research and projects and consulting and things. Nice. So. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, wrap great. it up there. Do my little outro. Uh, again, if you're not following the show somewhere, if you're new to the show, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If you can't find us, you weren't looking. So don't lie to me, people. Look, YFLF Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Go ahead and run the music out there. Thank you guys for listening. Check out yourfoodlooksfunny.com for our two recipes that we have on there and uh you know all our latest episodes and some pictures of me and some stuff i'm pretty interesting thank you guys for listening see you next week all right